Welcome to the NCTM podcast, which is being recorded just as the new school year is about to start. And our topic today is one familiar to every secondary school math teacher, no matter how experienced they are. And that is how best to start out with a new maths class, a new set of students you've never taught before. This is particularly relevant, of course, for newly qualified teachers or teachers starting in a new school who will be getting to know maybe half a dozen or more new classes this term. So to answer this question, I've been lucky enough to gather three experienced math teachers around their laptops with me today to give me and to you listening to this podcast the benefit of their experience. They are, in alphabetical order, Adam Crean, Head of Post-16 Maths at Salesian College in Surrey, Dawn Denyer, Assistant Head at St Wilfrid's Catholic School in Crawley, and Mel Mondoni, Math Teacher at North Bromsgrove High School in the Midlands somewhere. I can't be more specific, but I know it's in the Midlands somewhere. Anyway, let's get cracking. What I'm going to do, first of all, is ask each of our teachers for a sort of a top tip, which we'll then discuss among the four of us, and then we'll go on to think about more tips in slightly less detail. But I'm going to come to Dawn first for your top tip for starting with a new maths class at the start of a new school year, Dawn. Probably this year, more than anything else, if we think about the uh, disruption we've faced over the last 18 months, um, I want to know what they know what things from the last 18 months they found particularly difficult? Was there anything they liked in particular they found easy? And I think the, the way that I'm going to go about doing that is, first of all, I'm going to be, be dropping in some retrieval questions as starters, have a mix of, of starter questions over the first few weeks back, bearing in mind that I'm going to want to need to deal with any issues that, that come to light. So, you know, not just throwing in some questions at the beginning of the, of the lesson and then forgetting completely about it. Um, and then we use Teams um, in our school, so I'm going to put together a, a questionnaire for them to fill in on using uh, the forms feature to find out in particular for, for them individually what um, topics they, they found particularly easy last year. Um, is there anything they feel they need extra work on? Just to build that picture of, of where we're at with their, their mathematical understanding and, and where I can plan to, to build on that this year. OK, great. Thanks. Let's see what Adam and Mel think about that sort of generic approach to finding out more about the class in front of you. Adam, first. I think that's really comprehensive. I mean, it's great that you can do that at the start of the year. And then of course, you can do it as you work through the year um, as well. Um, I mean, one thing I notice when I start teaching year seven classes is just how much they have done in primary. I think certainly if, if you're a newer teacher in secondary, maybe you haven't had a look at the year six curriculum. I know that they have had disrupted times. Um, but they've learned an enormous amount um, and I'm always very happy to sort of give them the chance to show what they can do. And, and you know, I, I'm often surprised by just how much they've already seen. Um, and rather than assuming that they don't know things, it's always good to to check that they do know things already. Mel? Um, yeah, absolutely. Like Adam said, it sounds really comprehensive. Revisiting and checking that prior knowledge is key. I think what's also key is that we, as part of that, we think carefully about the questions we use to make sure that we are building confidence rather than just identifying gaps. Um, we've got to celebrate that there has been some learning that took place, quite a lot of learning. Um, and when, if I reflect back on our current year, new year 11s, when they were came back at the start of year 10, they were so keen and so um, eager that they what they didn't want to be known as the COVID kids. They wanted to to prove that they could come out of this. So I think they're going to come back hungry again 
at the start of this year. And so trying to build on that confidence because the confidence builds success, builds confidence. You end up on an upward spiral rather than a downward spiral. Dawn, anything you'd like to add, having heard from the other two? Yeah, no, I, th- I think, you know, that both Adam and, and Mel have, have complimented what I've said. Um, obviously, as, as Mel was saying about the types of questioning, yeah, I'm not going to be giving them a, a whole long list of things to go find, find out what they can't do. Um, but it's it, it's how you go about and how you approach it. And, and then if they, they can't be doing things, um, how to then build and structure that into your lessons without then going, oh, I'm actually getting rid of my scheme of work. So I'm not annoying my head of department because I'm doing something completely different from from where I'm meant to be. OK, great. That was t- number one. Uh, Adam, let's come to you now for your, your, your top tip at the start of a year. OK, well, I mean, my school, like I'm sure many others, um, you know, we sometimes end up with split classes. I tend to get these in year seven and eight. Um, and so I want to try and establish, you know, some sort of routine that marks out as as my lesson with them. I know we have all the other routines in terms of, you know, seating and behaviour and everything else. Um, but I like to have a bit of maths routine going on. So what I do is, is for the, the first lesson of each week or the first time I see them each fortnight um, to have something that's a little bit different. Um, my particular thing is the sequence of the week because it's a great way of introducing them to lots of different bits of maths as you go through the year. And of course, there's a marvellous list of sequences on the Internet um, that you can pull from. But just starting off with things like square numbers and triangle numbers and so forth, and then getting them to start bringing their own ideas as well. So maybe they've seen a puzzle somewhere or maybe they've seen a number pattern or they've made something up that they can share the class as well. Um, But that way, we've always got something that's the same at the start of each of my lessons um, or the start of each of my weeks. Um, just to give them, you know, that sort of little sense of routine and a bit of investigation stuff as well. And what's the benefit for you as a teacher and for them as students when, once they get used to the fact that every Monday period three, Mr. Cream will start with this sort of activity? Um, I think that they appreciate it. Maybe, you know, they, they just sort of see it as a little fad thing that I do. Um, but I think the benefit for me certainly is I get to get to show them bits of maths they wouldn't otherwise have seen that I know that they're sort of like, you know, going to be slightly ahead of maybe some other classes in terms of having seen some vocabulary and some patterns and some methods um, that they might find useful in the future. So it's sort of stealth marketing, really. Mel, what do you think of that sort of generic idea of the same sort of thing in the same period every week? I um I, I have to be brutally honest. I'm very much into my routines that my groups know what to expect when they come in. So I always use the same starters. And unlike Adam, I do it every lesson. Um, again, it's all about context, because generally the kind of groups I teach may not be um, your eager beavers. So I have to be mindful of behaviour from day one. Um, and maybe that stems from during my PGC many years ago, struggling with behaviour that I now know that if I nail the first 10 minutes of the lesson and that comes down to having this routine where I can also buy um, myself some time to do the register, because I have to be honest, in most schools I've worked in, the attendance officer is scary. And so when they come knocking on your door saying you haven't done your register, so I'm really conscious that I have to get certain things done. So I like to buy myself a little bit of time then. Um, but routines for me, are, I'm, I suppose I'm very traditional in that way. I love it. Dawn, routines? They're having a, a set way to start your lesson. I, I'm with Mel all the way there. Um, I'm quite nomadic in my school. I teach in many different classrooms. And so having the students know what, what to expect as I as we come into a classroom so I can connect to the interactive whiteboard I can 
sort myself out, get the PowerPoint loaded, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, but similar to to Adam, um, my classes know that I like to expose bad maths, and so whether it's a Facebook um, or Snapchat, you know, why, why is this answer wrong? Is the answer zero or one or something particularly bad? graph wise that's been shown on the television or in a newspaper um, we do have a, a poster board um, where we have the the challenge to find as much bad maths as possible to highlight it so um, you know as a, as a thing between us like going oh look we've, we found some bad maths so even during the summer holidays I had a student email me to say my dad says the answer to this Facebook challenge is 10 I think it's 11 who's right you know we, we've nurtured that sort of uh, um, experience with the students that they're not afraid to ask and double check so uh, that's that's a good way forward from, from my point of view and I think all three of you what to me what I've taken from that all three of you what what you do in this sort of routines area is is a way of the kids getting to know you as a person not just a teacher you know miss or sir always does this sort of thing at this sort of time or always includes this sort of an element the bad maths example for example that helps them get to you, know you as a person, doesn't it, as well as a math teacher, which is important about the, the general relationship thing of teaching. Absolutely. Um, I think it's it's one of the things that you can't put on a tick box when observing lessons is that relationship be between teacher and pupils. Um, and it, it, for me, it's key. They have to get to know you. And the, the idea of not smiling till Christmas is nonsense. I think we'd all go mad if we if if we, if none of us smiled till Christmas. I'd certainly be crying into my coffee. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Let's let's move on. Mel, you've got the microphone. What about your your top tip at the start of a school year, please? Um, my top tip is to it's great to get to know them in terms of face to face and in in real life, but also look at their profile. So for, we spend some time and we'll do this on our inset day when we give them some departmental time. We've been doing this for a a good few years now and it's a live document that we call a class context sheet that includes um the male the number of male female ratio the the free school meals the special needs um your high achievers within the group um and it just allows us to get because invariably oh well for me personally I, i'm I very rarely take a group on from the previous year. There might be a few students in there. So getting to know their background, their prior attainment, um, because it's again, this is one of the things that I always say in my opening spiel is that regardless of their performance in maths before their, their behavior in maths before, they've all got a fresh start. So I tend not to talk to their previous teacher. Um, can you give me a, an update on that group that I'm taking or those students? You'll pick that up naturally over coffee breaks. And so we produce this sheet and it all it's got a brief summary about this is a key stage four group. This is what we're covering. Um, and I add to it every half term just with no handwritten notes. Sometimes it's behaviour. Sometimes it's it's about topics they've struggled with or tweaks I've had to make to the scheme of work. And it is literally a 10 minute job at the end of the term. Have I got any notes to make about this? So just that live document, it just yeah. it brings it all together for for me. And it highlights how every class has got a different dynamic according to the, the boy girl mix, the different backgrounds, all that sort of thing. And I suppose it picks up on for each class, that class context sheet you just mentioned mm. sort of summarises the class dynamic. Adam, do you, do you find that uh, an attractive idea? Do you do anything similar? 
Yes, absolutely. I mean, I, I live for data. Um, I'm <laughs> the person at my school who has to sort of initially put all the data into the sheet um, and get it out to staff so that they can talk about it um, with each other. Um, it's very important to keep track of where students are in terms of is that we have settings, so we move students up and down. And of course, you know, you're unlikely to have the same group for five years. So that discussion with previous teachers is really important. But also, if you see that a student has maybe moved down once or twice in the last three or four years, then having that idea of knowing where they come from is absolutely vital. Dawn? Yeah, I was going to say, I, I echo Adam's comment. I, I have the data responsibility for the whole school. So I have lots of subjects to, to worry about where, where the, the students are ending up. But particularly also with shared classes, as an assistant head teacher, I tend to fill in the gaps where, where the timetable maybe doesn't quite work. So I maybe have more more shared classes than than I would would have had once upon a time. And and just knowing a little bit more about that, that vast number of of students that are going to be sat in front of me thinking back to to my for early years of, of teaching the number of students that that you see in in a week is is vast and I think you know some of us have been teaching for a longer period of time we're quite lucky we we possibly don't don't see as many classes as as we used to because we've got other responsibilities um, I think putting yourself back in that that position where you're seeing so many different sets of 30 students a week and getting to, to to get a picture of of what they're what they're like, um, and what's going on in their lives. I think everything we can do to help that is is a bonus. Mm. Mel, you used the phrase a moment ago, opening spiel, um, and I'd be interested in in all, all three of you whether you do it. You, I sense you probably do, but what you would include in an opening spiel to a maths class. You know, not not the stuff, not the generic behavioural stuff that you might include to any class. But are there any particularly mathsy things? That you would include for me I, I like to get i'll try to get over the fact that maths is maths ability is not genetic it isn't something we're born with it's all about mindset and i'm not talking about positive mindsets and it's all about um that i believe anybody can do it if they try if they wanted to it's just varying levels of where they end up on that scale um and i so i use the example about my father being unable to read and write didn't mean that I was unable to read and write. It just meant that he didn't have any schooling. So trying to get that over to students and that regardless of where what they feel about it, hopefully we can change that over the next the course of the next few months. Mm. Um, I just wanted to pick up on one of the points Adam said about the data and stopping. That it's just one tip here is that we started this when I went into my current school about three years ago, whereas we have a departmental tracking sheet. And we've now started keeping a, a track of their sets. So every time we review data and we may move student sets, we um, so a student by the end of their, their three years, because we're a high school, we would know what set they were in every time we've had a set change just so we can stop that. Because sometimes people staff change and they'll forget that Jack Jones used to be in set one and now he's in set three. We can see that at a glance on our departmental tracker. Well, he started year nine in set one. Why is he now in our in our intervention set in year 11? So we yeah. we just a, a little tip there. Let's go back to opening spiel. Do you do yeah. an opening spiel, Adam, when you get a new class in front of you? Um, I like to give them an idea as to where they are in the sort of the scale of things, because obviously the opening spiel for year seven. I've got a couple of sevens coming up in September. Um, and we're going to be having uh, because they haven't done their sats, we're going to have them as mixed ability. So it's sort of something that's got to be. You know, encouraging to all of them that wherever they've, you know, however they've felt about maths in year six, 
you know, that they are having a fresh start and that we are going to be covering a lot and that might only be the first step on the road to GCSE, um, but it's to make sure, you know, they've got all the basics. So it's, it's just giving them a sense of place in terms yeah. of where they are with their maths. Dawn? Um, I, I have the issue because obviously I'm an assistant head in school and, and I'm a maths teacher. So I, I have to, I sort of like go through a spiel of the, the person you see in your maths class. I'm a maths teacher and maths rocks my world. And, you know, the only reason I'm good at maths is because I do maths every day. And very much like Mel saying, you know, it, practice, okay, doesn't make perfect, but the more you practice the maths, the, the better you are at it and you know you might even get to like it by by the end of your your time in school um and then saying you know that doesn't mean saying you know i i might have to tell you off for for other things with my assistant head teacher hat on but actually when i'm in the classroom you you get the maths teacher me who's also a little bit mad on space and you know, you'll, you'll get to know a different me to my assistant head teacher. Great. Well, we've knocked around three or four ideas in some depth. See whether we can rattle through some more ideas, big or small. And Adam's got the first one. Yes, I think um, one thing I, I've been thinking about is that, that how, you know, getting to know the students. You can have your class plan. You can have your photos. Um, I do the thing at the end of the lesson where I have to say their names. And if I can't say their name, then they can't leave until I've learnt their name. It really forces them to get them. But I think it's often very easy to, to spend a lot of time with the students maybe who um, are more demanding, maybe because they're not making progress in the lesson or because you're giving them extension work, whatever. Um, and I think remembering the middle kids, I wouldn't dare to use the word plotters, but the ones who just get on with the work and don't really sort of speak out. And so it's harder to get to know their names. And it's trying to get alongside them as much as you're getting alongside the ones who are maybe you know trying to attract your attention that little bit more in class. Any other? Yes, Mel, you next. It was interesting about getting to know their names. Um, I saw something the other day, and it's something I'm going to try, is that we use a software package for our seating plans, and obviously they're alphabetical by surname, and somebody suggested doing it alphabetical by first name, so all your Isabellas are together, all your bends are together. So I'm going to try that and take the wrath of the uh, attendance officer when it takes me a bit longer for my register, because I think we do it alphabetically for the purposes of the register. And that might not really be aiding my recollection of their names because I don't need to remember their surname. I need to remember their first name. Any other short tips, Dawn? Have you got something you can throw in, please? My, my, my favourite tip is once the, the, your registers are settled and you, you're not expecting too many class changes, is number your students so and number their exercise books. So just because when you take the books in and you're trying to work out who's missing, you can very quickly, because numbers are easier than letters, um, put a pile of books in order from one to 32 and go oh number 17 is missing and because it's not Isabella number three whose whose book you haven't got um okay you have issues when if someone gets moved into your set and you have like 13a and 13b but on the whole that's that's my my quick takeaway as to making my life so much easier mm -hmm. okay let's have a few more before we finish adam um, so sometimes it's, it's, you know, you can't always tell when they're sitting in class who the ones who actually have a secret, you know, desire to do lots of extra maths um, are. So my top tip is um, using Parallel, which is set up by Simon Singh. It's parallel.org.uk. Um, and it's now sort of available for all the years in the school. But I tend to start off with my sort of sevens and eights. And what happens is you set up a teacher um, login and you get sort of teacher code, which you give the students. And then it's completely up to the students whether they do this, but it's enrichment activities every week. 
it's not a homework. You don't do it as a sort of set work for the school, but it means they can watch some videos. They can read through some um, you know, sort of bits of text. They can have a go at some challenges. You can get to see how they've done on those. You get to see who the really keen ones are who may be, you know, because in class you're focused on the classwork. Um, whereas parallel is a great way of sort of encouraging the ones who maybe want to take the maths that little bit further. Any more? Yes, Dawn. Um, also, just from, from my teaching in many classrooms hat on, um, I like to sit at the back of my classroom at the start of the year and work out what students can see. Is, yeah. is, is there anything in their way that stops them seeing the bottom of the board? Um, if I stand at the teacher lectern at the front, am I completely blocking what they can see? Um, and I teach in art rooms, I teach in science rooms, I teach all over the school from time to time, you know, during, during the course of my, my fortnight timetable. And so just actually sitting there and working out, can they actually see if I write at the bottom of the board? Can they see the bottom of my PowerPoint? You know, is there a blind that needs pulling because the projector is really quite not as bright as it could be? And just really sort of like getting the student perspective of the classroom. We're very good at sort of like seeing what can you see from from our perspective, but actually a student's eye view what what can what can they see what are they is it all very busy and and everything at the front of the classroom okay right well look thank you very much indeed um for giving me the benefit adam dawn and mel of your uh, experience and hopefully you at home if you're starting out as a completely new math teacher or you're moving into a new school or you're just thinking of some new ways to um new new, new things to do with a new class uh, i hope you found this last 20 25 minutes useful thanks for listening uh if you've liked it then subscribe to the nttm podcast in the usual way however you listen to your podcast tell other people about it um there'll be another podcast from the nttm very soon um but again thanks adam thanks dawn thanks mel good luck to you in your new school year good luck to every teacher in the new school year and uh, for now goodbye <laughs>